Welcome, everyone. I'm Kim Christensen, and this is the Peaceful Productivity Podcast, where I share strategies to help you get the most out of your time and feel better in the process. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Peaceful Productivity Podcast. I'm Kim, your host, and today we are talking about retirement. I remember a while ago, I was chatting with a team member who was contemplating retirement. The sentiment around the office was one of celebration for her. How exciting that she would leave behind the daily grind, the early mornings, the long commute, the boring meetings, and spend her time doing whatever she wanted to do. (laughs) It was surprising to me that when we met for coffee again, about six months into her retirement, that I learned she was actually working a part-time job and she was loving it. I was so confused. I remember thinking if she wanted to work, why didn't she just stay in her highly successful career? That was when she told me about her struggle with a lack of purpose, a lack of structure and the loneliness that followed her retirement. And she hadn't really counted on that. With some help, she worked through the struggles and she came to realize that she now had the time and energy to do something that she had always wanted to do. And she could also work as much or as little as she liked. In fact, she shared that she would probably do it for free because for her, it wasn't at all about the money. It was more about her mental health and deliberately choosing how she wanted to spend her time. After all, isn't that the real benefit of retirement? The ability to choose how you spend your time. And I got me to thinking, what if we could deliberately make that decision now in advance of retirement? The ability to choose how we spend our time in retirement, but also how we're choosing to spend our time now, which is the whole premise of this podcast is making the most of your time and enjoying the process. So that's what led me to actually have this conversation with Freddie Doctorum. For those of you who are listeners of the podcast, you'll recall that Freddie spoke with us recently about planning and happy accidents. She's a retirement lifestyle planner. So I thought it would be kind of fun to ask her about her opinions on this subject, as I'm sure she has lots of experience in talking to people before and after retirement and what those changes around lifestyle bring up for people and how they manage the transitions. I think the benefit of having these conversations with someone like Freddie is that Having that conversation about how you eventually want to spend your time highlights the power that you have to make those decisions around your time now. It gives you the opportunity to implement some things now rather than waiting till some distant point in the future to live the life that you want to be living. Boredom is a common complaint amongst retirees. 
Yes, it's entirely possible to burn yourself out with doing too much, but you can also burn yourself out with doing too little. Depression after retirement is a common problem, especially if you've invested a lot into your career and you identify strongly with your work. Studies have shown that self-worth and identity, particularly amongst men, is really tied up with their careers. It reminds me of the quote, the trouble with retirement is that you never get a day off. (laughs) So I'd like to welcome Freddie back to the podcast. And I guess the first question that I have, Freddie, for you is when people are thinking about the retirement lifestyle, what comes up for them around thinking about how they're going to spend their time? So when we start looking at part of that transition or the succession, we start looking for ourselves as what is going to be next after our paid profession or our career or our earning years, how much time are we spending thinking about the time? Often when we leave our nine to five or eight to six or seven to seven jobs, we are gifted with three or 4,000 hours a year. That's a frightening number. And people think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with it? My suggestion is that you start 10 to 15 years out. Or even when you start your financial plan, start your lifestyle transition plan as well. Because there can also be happy accidents along the way. Do you love to learn? Start learning now. You know, take courses. They're so available. As a happy accident, I ended up with a degree in holistic health sciences. I was interested in the topic and I started taking courses. And one day the university called me and said, you know, two more courses and you get a bachelor's degree. Really? Okay. So a happy accident. I ended up with a bachelor's degree in holistic health sciences. Do you like to learn? Do you like to travel? Did you know that one of the most underdeveloped skills that many people have is the skill of traveling? Not being able to talk to your travel agent and get them to put all the bits and pieces in place, but actually going from your home to the train or the bus or getting in your car and driving. Uh, Going through airports. You know, in Canada, we think we have big airports. (laughs) No. Go to Europe. Go to some of the really big airports. It's a course in itself navigating the Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris, for example. So if you're thinking about traveling as your next phase of your life, that's wonderful. But get used to it now. So what I'm hearing is that it's great to start thinking about that next transition now and what it is that you want your life to look like in the future as well as in the present. And I'm curious, what else comes up for people around the subject of retirement? This whole idea of what is going to be my legacy. And so I started doing some research into that. And I discovered that legacy really is three-part. There's professional, there's personal, and there's digital. Ooh, this is the new one for a lot of people. So professionally, 
leaving your legacy at your business or your place of work or, you know, in your with your cohort, are there procedures or ways of doing things that you've developed over your 40 years that you ought to be passing on? Are you a mentor? Do you have two or three bright young things that you can take under your wing and in a structured mentor-mentee relationship, start leaving your legacy of your institutional knowledge. When an experienced person walks out of a door of a business, it's like all those library books being taken off the shelf. So we need to leave a legacy of our knowledge, whatever that looks like. So that's professionally. Personally, do you know about the items, the things, the tangible things that are important in your family? Do you have artifacts, maybe from your grandparents, your parents? Many families do have these important items. Some families do not. What is going to happen with these tangible items? This is the family legacy. It could be the Bible that your grandfather had at Vimy Ridge. So that could be something. Who's going to get it? What's going to happen to it? Is everything just going to be dumped at the local museum to be sold off at their next auction? What about granny's pearls? What about great-grandfather's whatever? So taking a look at the legacy of the family tangible things. Now, one of the families that I worked with, they had just wonderful items that were left you know, through the generations to their family. But there was a big family and there weren't enough things for every person to have one. So what they did was two great ideas. Number one, they got an artist to take all of the items and paint a picture. They turned it into a lithographic print and everybody got a print, framed print, beautiful wall hanging of all of the items. And then they built a memory box and put the items inside. So every time there's a, you know, a family wedding, christening, you know, divorce party, uh, Christmas, or when they gather together, they open the box and they pass them around and they tell the stories about the thing, you see, because we're losing our stories. So the professional legacy through mentorship, the family or personal legacy through looking at the tangible things. Some people write books. That's a lot of work. Nowadays, don't write a book, do a video. We've got phones. We can just do videos. It's great. But the digital legacy, here's what people aren't thinking about. We are plugged in to the universe. So in your last will and testament that you've had professionally prepared, of course, is there a clause in there specifying what exactly is going to happen with your digital footprint? Facebook, Twitter, uh, all of this stuff, you know, all the things that are there. If you don't have it actually spelled out in your will, in the proper legalese, um, your accounts are going to stay open forever. Wow. And the RCMP, the FBI, those people cannot get into your account unless they've legally been given permission. So here's what I've done. My daughter-in-law is a gem. I love her. I adore her. I trust her. She has not only written permission in my will, but I have given her a document that I update every year. 
And I've got all of my digital accounts there. I update the document. It's kept in safety deposit box because I don't want to be one of these people that five years after I've passed away, you get the Facebook notification. Hey, it's Freddie's birthday today. Send her greetings. You're going like, but she's no longer here. And so looking after your digital legacy is absolutely critical. So legacy is professional, it's personal, and it's digital. And even some of the lawyers that I talked to haven't really embrace that thought, but more and more are. So it's just something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. I never thought about it before you just mentioned it. So thank you for sharing that. That's very wise. And then the next important thing I encourage people is for gosh sakes, if you don't know it, learn it, but your family story, because we're losing our stories. And when you look at the popularity of things like, you know, Ancestry.com and was it you and me and one, two, three or whatever, and people are hungry to know. Yes. And so we, as we move up in years, can choose to assume the responsibility of being that orator, being that collector of the stories. You know, if we think around the world of cultures that may not have had a written language and so their stories were passed down orally why have we lost that mm. and now we can pass our stories orally and we've got the benefit of our iphone or you know other recording devices in the last four years of his life my dad wrote an amazing book about our family that starts in the 1600s and it's uh, kind of an interesting story but there's only one four-minute video clip. What were we thinking? What were we thinking? We never thought to sit down and have dad just talk about the stories and record it. And no. we've got a four-minute video clip. You know, gather around Christmas dinner table or Thanksgiving or a birthday party. Pull out, you know, a recording device and just have people talk. You can edit it later. Because... Part of us is our story. And I think that's another example of where this transition piece can really help folks if they start to think about their legend, their family legend, their story, and their legacy. And that builds into their identity. Maybe you're no longer Dr. So-and-so, but guess what? You are the family orator. You are the collector of the stories and the photos. And then that also gives you a sense of purpose. What are you going to do when you get up tomorrow? Well, guess what? I'm going to phone Kim and I'm going to get her story. Yeah. I'm going to go for coffee with you know, so-and-so, my, my nephew, and get their story. That strikes a chord with me because I'm currently working with my dad to write his book. It's been amazing. We've been doing some video chats. So I've got it captured on video. And then we're also putting together this this document. So it's been very, very meaningful to both of us, I think. So great. What a beautiful yeah. gift, not just for you and your dad, but for the extended family members, present and future. Yeah. Yeah. It's been amazing. So Point well taken. 
for sure. <laughs> you have so much wisdom, expertise, and energy around speaking. And so I'm just curious, how do you identify yourself? Do you see yourself as a professional speaker, a teacher, something else? I'm a passionate people builder. <laughs> I love that. That's what I do. I build people. When I was looking at my retirement plan, and I'm trying really hard to be retired, but my clients won't let me and I'm really still quite excited about what I do. So I'm still working on it. I'm passionate about folks like yourself and myself and all of the people we know successfully transitioning through that airlock of life. Right. You know, and another thing, Kim, that people are concerned about or you know, that my clients tell me is that once I'm no longer doctor so-and-so or accountant so-and-so or other professional designation so-and-so, when I lose that label, who am I? Like, what is my identity? And this is something I think we can have fun with and we can play with. A good friend of mine was a professional engineer and did just some amazing work on large projects. And when he came to retire, we sat down and we played with his new business card. And his last name is Levers. And so his new business card had all these gears on it. And it said, I've been giving people the gears for years. I'm under new management. See my wife for details. <laughs> and that was the business card that he started handing out to people. You know, And on the back, it said, let's make a coffee date. And so just like a business business card, this was his new retirement business card. So his identity, he had fun with it and shifted and just played with, who am I now? We really identify with what we do. We think of ourselves as a human doing rather than a human being. So true. So after the years of doing, who am I going to be? You know, what is my purpose? And I think this is where a lot of community organizations could do more with recruiting folks for volunteering and engagement and passing along their skills. You know, boys and girls clubs, the YMCA, high schools, colleges, bringing folks in to talk about their lessons learned on the job, the happy accidents that got them promoted in their career. As of July 1st, 2014, in Canada, roughly a thousand people a day are turning age 65. There's an amazing resource that is, I believe, underutilized in the community. You think 40, 50 years of workplace experience, doing what you do best, wow, we've got an entire cohort of young people that could really benefit from these life lessons. Agreed. Amazing, Freddie. Thank you again for coming back to the podcast and sharing your wisdom with us around the subject of retirement. I know it'll be helpful for a lot of people. So thank you. And if you would like to learn more about Freddie, you can find her at freddiespeaks.com.